preach this morning, well, well, well. Have you ever said that? Well, well, well. You know, sometimes we say that in a positive way. Well, well, well. My grandmother, who is deceased, who's with the Lord, been gone for 20 plus years. I lived behind her uh, all my growing up years, in and out of her house, probably multiple times a day. And when I would go in the door, regardless of how many times I had been there, even that day, she would say, well, put those arms out to hug me. You wonder why I'm such a mess today. She spooled me rotten. <laughs> but well, you know, made you feel like you're somebody special, even though if you've been there 14 times already and raided the icebox 15 times, well. Sometimes we say, well, because something is really great, something's really exciting. Sometimes something goes wrong and we say, well, 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 you know, it just depends, right? But this morning I'm going to preach hopefully to show us that some of the things that we see maybe on a pessimistic side, on a negative side, uh, on a challenging side where we would maybe say, oh, well, 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 can be turned over here to a well, well, well. Jesus has a way of taking the bad things in our lives and making them good. Jesus has a way of showing up and turning things around for us, and I thank God for that this morning. The old songwriter said it this way, Jesus saves, he still does. He will make of you something new, cleanse the sin that was. The Holy Spirit beckons, you don't have to be enslaved, just believe it, Jesus saves. Do you believe Jesus saves this morning? In John chapter 4 today, we're going to see the story of a woman who was at a well who Jesus found, came to her, saved her soul, radically changed her life, radically forgave her of all of her sin and made her a new creation and turned her into something good. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus still saves. And Jesus still cleans up messes. Now, I don't always clean up messes. You can ask Donna about that and she would say a big amen. I know my children don't always clean up messes. I'll say a, a big amen. Where is Emily? She went out to the rest. She missed that best part of the sermon. But I won't tell you this morning. Jesus always cleans up his mess. But more importantly, he, he, well, he doesn't make a mess. He always cleans up our mess. Let me word that better this morning. Jesus always cleans up our mess. And Jesus found her in a mess. And he cleaned her you know, this morning life can get messy. We always don't get what we want. Things don't always go the way we want them to go. But Christ comes to us like he, we're going to see in this passage today. And he helps us. He forgives us. He cleans up our mess. I brought this water bottle today. You panicked there, didn't you? you thought, I brought this water bottle in with me this morning. And I thought about, you know, different things with a, with a bottle. At my house, everybody but me, basically, packs a lunch uh, every day. And I'm trying to get a little bit better about doing some healthy food and putting some things together. But everybody else is very routine, and they pack their lunch. And there's little containers, there's little bottles all the time. And they don't always look exactly like this one. Little containers, bowl containers, thermos-looking things, cup-looking things. And can I tell you that sometimes... You can open up one of those when you're getting ready to load the dishwasher. And believe it or not, I do load the dishwasher sometimes. You can open that up and you can say, well, well, well. <laughs> wonder what this was. 
wonder what was in this clump, clump, clump down the garbage disposal, you know, and, and, and some substances. Or sometimes you can open up one of those things and you can go, whoa, <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> That's been in there a little while. That, as they said about Lazarus in the grave, that stinketh. You know, have you ever had that? And you go, whoa. I know you guys wash your things so quickly. That never it never happens at your house, but it happens at mine. And you go, whoa, what was that? What was that smell? Sometimes that's how life can be. We can open it up. We don't know what we're going to get. We walk into a new season, a new chapter. We don't know what we're going to get. Sometimes it's a mysterious goop. Sometimes it's a stinky smell. Sometimes it's whatever. We don't know. And sometimes we look at life, if I could belabor the point with my bottle this morning, sometimes we can look at it either half full or half empty. And I'm glad this morning that regardless of how we look at it, if we say the glass is half full or if we say the glass is half empty, Christ always looks at it as being half full. He always looks at where we are and he says, I can make it better. He always looks at what we have and says, I can give you more. And so sometimes the pessimism that can get in our lives, even as believers, we need to look at Christ and say, let me see what is going on more like you see it. And let me have a renewed faith and a renewed optimism in my life and what is happening in my life. The story of the woman at the well shows us optimism. It gives us hope because if he will do it for her, he will do it for us. And we don't have to look at the bottle being empty. We don't have to look at it being half empty or half full. We can look and see that with Christ it can be full. Let me propose to you this morning, and we'll see a scripture here in a few minutes. It doesn't have to just be full. We'll see in the scriptures it can be running over. Now I wish I had put some water in here. I'd have a great demonstration on this new carpet today. Running over, full and running. Maybe I'll dare to try that at 11 o'clock. What do you think? Let's read this. <laughs> Let's read the passage. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. No, through 1 through 14. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John... Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he must go through, he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey thus sat down by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? We know, or perhaps you know, the Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews. The Samaritans had been Jewish people who had intermingled with other peoples and the Jewish people looked down at them ethnically and she's saying, how is it that you actually give me the time of day, basically? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
Where then do you get that living water? I'm seeing different. You can see her pessimistic. They, they played a little mind game with me right there. Did you see that? <laughs> They're getting me back for all that I've done to them. You see her pessimistic attitude coming through here. When Jesus starts talking about, you know, first it's, I can't believe you're even talking to me. And then he's talking about getting the water. And she said, well, you don't have anything to draw from. Or the well is very deep. I, I just see this. She's in a very pessimistic mind frame all through this passage. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? There's another thing. Are you greater than Jacob? Are you? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, the well water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, inside of him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Somebody ought to just say a good amen for that verse 14 right there. That's a pretty rich little scripture right there in and of itself. I see this morning that Christ went down a journey of a well-worn path. A well-worn path. Path. Now follow with me this morning as I journey down this path. It wasn't the well-worn path on his way to where he was going. Because if you study out the scripture, he did not need, if he had put it in his GPS, the closest route, the most direct route to where he was going was not through Samaria. You say, Pastor Greg, the scripture says he must needs go through Samaria. Or he had to go. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria because he knew that there was a lady in Samaria that he wanted to share the gospel with and change her life. But if you plug it into your GPS tomorrow, it's not going to take you straight through Samaria. He didn't go down the well-worn path of the world, but he went down what I would like to call the well-worn path of grace. The well-worn path of grace. Let me talk about this well-worn path of grace. Let me remind you this morning of the 99 sheep that were in the fold safely. You remember that parable? But there was one who had wandered away talking about the well-worn path of grace this morning. And I remember that Jesus said that he left the 90 and 9 and he went to find that one little lost lamb who was lost. One song says that one little lost lamb and here I am. I'm glad that I, when I was lost, he came down his well-worn path of grace and mercy and he found me. He found me. There was another parable right around where that parable was, where there was a lost coin. And instead of being content with all the coins that she had, she I said, I have to find that one lost coin. And swept the house and cleaned the house until finding that one lost coin. It is a, it's a picture of the well-worn path of grace and mercy. Even the prodigal son parable shows that the mercy of God extended and waiting for the son to come back. And I see a beautiful picture of the father when he saw the son as he had been looking for him. 
stands up and in a very undignified, uncultured way that would have been contradictory to what a Jewish father would have done, jumped off of the porch and ran to the child who was coming home, the prodigal who was returning. What are you preaching about, Pastor Greg? I'm preaching about the well-worn path of grace. You see, Christ has a way of finding us where we are and bringing to us the grace and the mercy that we need. You've heard me say this so many times, but I'm going to say it again this morning. We testify sometimes, I'm so glad I found the Lord. And I know what we mean, and it's okay to say that. But really and truly, the Lord found us. Really and truly, he walked down that well-worn path of grace to find us. Why did he do that? Because it is his very nature to find us. It was his very plan to find us. Jesus Christ, the Bible said, was the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the world. His very plan for humanity was I know that they will stray before I even create them I will have a plan to find them and redeem them and bring them back to where I am and I'm about to feel like preaching up in here on a 9 o'clock Sunday morning (laughs) God is good the well-worn path of grace and mercy And Jesus who left all the splendor of heaven and all the luxury of heaven and all the rights that he had as being the son of God who left it and traveled the well-worn path of grace and entered into the human dilemma, if I could say it that way, and walked among us. The word became flesh, the Bible said, and dwelt among us. And he who had no sin became sin for us that we might become the sons of God. It is the well-worn path of grace. You say, Greg, why are you getting so excited about that? Because I have seen and I have experienced the well-worn path of grace over my personal life. I have seen and I have experienced the well-worn path of grace over my family's life. I have seen the well-worn path of grace over my mistakes. I have seen the well-worn path of grace pave over poor decisions that I made in my life. It's the well-worn path of grace. And I have seen, most of all, the well-worn path of grace come over my sins and wash all my sins away. I'm preaching about the well-worn path of grace this morning. Now let me talk about the welcome. Well, 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 well worn path, and now the well come. It's the best I could do on staying with the well. You ever had somebody show up at your house and, well, here I am. <laughs> Walk right on in, make themselves right at home. That's what Jesus did right here. It's a little bit comical when you think about it, but Jesus intentionally found her where she was at. And then he started engaging her on her own home territory, started talking to her, right? And then he just makes himself quite at home. And he said, how about you give me something to drink? How about That would be kind of like me maybe coming by your house doing pastoral visits or something one day. And I'd say, how about you give me something to drink? (laughs) How about a piece of cake? See, I don't do that. I just hint. (laughs) I just throw out little hints, you know, hope that somebody takes the bait. But Jesus said to her, 
give me something to drink. He asked her to do something for him. Let me say something here. It's a very practical and spiritual point. Anytime that Jesus asks of us to do something, it is because he wants to use it and bless us by it. So if he's requiring of you something today, if he's asking you to do something, if he's stirring around your comfort zone this morning, he's asking you to take a step or make a decision or, or give a gift or serve or do or, or whatever it might be, if he's asking something of you, I can assure you he's asking so that he can bless you in return. He asked her for water, but he was really just doing that because he wanted to open up the conversation so he could talk to her about living water. And she was shocked. She was shocked. Me? Me? You're talking to, to me? You have to understand the culture and the time and the place and all those things. But to be a, just to be a female, unfortunately, during that society and in that place, she was found herself in a low position. She was, she was a mixture of, of, of the Jewish race and another race. And, and again, unfortunately, in that culture, those types of things that she was looked down upon. Now, that's not right. Amen? Not right. But she was looked down upon because of, of, the, of her person, of her ethnicity, because she was a female. She was also a sinner. When you read on, Jesus knew She'd been married multiple times, and I don't know if that had been because of, a, of adultery or if that had been because she had been widowed, or all, but she'd been through a whole, whole lot. We can all agree on that. And he said, the one you're living with right now is not your husband. It's not your husband. He knew that she was engaging in a lifestyle that was not acceptable, was not pleasing, and so she was all these strikes against her. And no wonder she was surprised. When Jesus spoke to her. But Jesus has a way of welcoming himself into our lives. And if you're sitting here this morning and you say, I, I, you know, I just don't know. I don't, I've, I've done too many wrong things. Sometimes I hear as a pastor. And I feel like sometimes what I'm hearing or people are telling me is, it's like, I don't think I can live it if I give my heart to the Lord. Or they think maybe they've been too bad, too evil, done too wrong. And can I tell you this morning, if we're sitting here and we have the breath of life in us, there is hope for us. And Jesus Christ can save us. He wants to save us. He wants to welcome himself right into our lives. What a beautiful thought. What a, what a beautiful experience, the experience of salvation. He showed up when she least expected it. Do you know she was there at a different time of day than all the other ladies? She wasn't part of the, the clique. She wasn't part of the group. She, she wasn't part of the ladies of the, of the village because of like, probably her lifestyle and all these things. And, and so she came at a different time. If you really study that out and think it through, she was coming. And Jesus shows up when she least expected it. And sometimes he shows up in our lives when we least expect it. Sometimes it is in the brokenness of our lives. Let me be very careful here this morning. But as, uh, this thought of brokenness has been on my heart all week. Sometimes the Lord allows us to walk through a season of brokenness in our lives so that it will cause us to point our attention to him, the one who can heal our brokenness. If you find yourself today in a season of loss, you find yourself today in a season of brokenness or a season of barrenness, 
and nothing's working out for you. Or maybe it's a season of burdens that are on you. It could be that the Lord is allowing that season in your life so that it will cause that pain to cause you and and me to look to him. Is that all right this morning? He shows up in the most odd places. He shows up when we least expect it. And most of the time he shows up really in our vulnerability. And that's what he did right here for this lady as he welcomed himself to the well. But it wasn't just to get a drink of water. It's to give to her what I call here on my concluding slide, the well of life. The well of life. He wanted to give her living water. I want to think about this. Not just a taste of water. When you, when you look at that scripture, let's look at that scripture again if, we, if you don't mind. Uh, John 1.13. John 1, 13, let's, let's look at what he's talking about here with this living water. 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, talking about the well water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, inside a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus wasn't saying that what I want to give to you or what he might want to give to all of us this morning, it's not just a taste of water. And that's good. A taste of water when you're parched is a, is a great thing, isn't it? Out on a hot day, maybe mowing or doing some yard work and maybe just a little taste of water can go a long way. Feel really good. But Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to give you just a taste of water. I'm just going to give you a drink of water or I'm going to give you a bottle of water because he says I know all these new places now have the water stations and you get I'll give you this and you can fill it up that's not what he's saying either he's also not even saying now watch me now let me be very careful how I word this he's not even saying I'm going to build a pipe you know if our water that comes into our house comes through those pipes and I'm going to connect you to the pipe to me and the water's going to come to you. That would be great. That's pretty awesome to think about that. He didn't even say it that way. He said, I'm going to put the spring of living water inside of you. Why is it as Christians that we can have joy and strength in the Lord even during the most severe of times? It's because he has put Not just piping it into us. He has literally put inside of us the Holy Spirit who is a well of spring of water that springs up within us. I'm not just going to sprinkle you. I'm not just going to pipe it to you. I'm going to put it on the inside of you. Christ wants to give to us the source of living water. One scripture says this, out of your most inner being. Let me say it how the King James said it, out of your belly. Out of your most inner being shall flow rivers of living water. What I'm talking about this morning is a conversion gospel. A gospel that when we hear it, if we receive it, will change us. 
What I'm talking about this morning is a transforming gospel. A gospel that when we hear it, if we will accept it and believe it by faith, we will see our lives changed. What I'm talking about this morning is a gospel that requires an individual response. The lady at the well heard what Jesus said. Received what Jesus said. If you read on down through that passage in chapter 4, you'll see that she went back throughout the whole city and told them, you've got to come and hear this man and what he is talking about and what he is doing in my life. You've got to hear this. And if you read on, they went and they heard and many of them responded to her and they said, listen, I've now we believe. Not because of what you said, but we've heard it for ourselves. And we've received him for ourselves. You see, the gospel that I'm preaching to us this morning requires an individual response. And if you're hearing the gospel today, you can receive the gospel today by faith and receive that well springing up into eternal life. But we must receive as individuals. The faith of my wife cannot carry me. The faith of my parents, grandparents, as strong as that might be, might have been, cannot carry me. I must receive, as an individual, this living water. What's this mean? And I'm going to close. It means to stop some things. Somebody say stop. I would say stop, look, and listen. Then I say stop, drop, and roll, but we don't want to get into all that this morning. Stop being pessimistic. Stop being pessimistic. If we have living water inside of us, and if we believe that God is truly working all things for our good, and we have what will sustain us through the hard times, we need to stop being pessimistic. Somebody say amen this morning. I'm not saying you are. But if you are, stop. Or if it, or if it starts to creep into you, don't allow pessimism. We need to be optimistic. We need to be faithful, filled with faith. Here's the other thing we need to stop doing. We need to stop changing the subject when God is trying to speak to us. If you read on again in that passage, Jesus, when he was witnessing to her, she started to try to get off into a theological discussion on where to worship. Oh, as a pastor, does that ever happen to me? You're talking to somebody and you're trying to delicately and strategically weave your way in to talk about personal salvation and all of a sudden, well, you know, I just don't understand why, how many animals were on Noah's Ark. And I will say, I don't care. I mean, I do care. But not right now. People do that. They will do that. They will change the subject. Oh, you know, I remember Pastor Greg when we used to be over in that old sanctuary and I came with my mom. I don't want to talk about your mom in the old sanctuary. I want to talk about your salvation. Now, I'm just being funny. I'm not being mean. But it's true. And that's what she tried right there in, in John chapter 4. She starts talking to him about, well, one group says we should worship on this mountain and one group says we should worship on this mountain. And Jesus cuts right to it and he said, listen. Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Let me get back to the subject at hand. You need the living water, the spirit of truth inside of you. We need to stop changing the subject when we're presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The other thing we need to do is stop sinning. Stop sinning. She didn't go back to the fifth man and live the same old way. Is that all right this morning? I'm going to smile while I'm saying it. Because he wasn't her husband. She didn't have any business living with him. Somebody say amen. She didn't, she didn't go back. She stopped sinning. Jesus saves us from our sins. I'm not preaching sinless perfection. We all mess up and we all need His grace and mercy. But we need to fix what we can. Come on somebody. And she stopped sinning. She changed her life. An encounter with the gospel that is preached will cause us to say, I want Jesus to change my life. And there might be some things I need to stop doing. There might be some things I need to start doing. But let's start really living. Today, let's welcome the living water into our hearts and lives. I got three, three points I want to say or three things I want us to pray. But let's do it this way. Would you stand with me and worship team if you want to get in, into place. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I was going to say what is on the inside, but let me say it even better this morning. Who is on the inside? Who is on the inside? Maybe this morning you fall into this first category and you say, Pastor Greg, I'm not sure of my salvation today. I am not sure if I'm right with God. I'm not sure that if I were to die right now, whether I would go to heaven or hell. I'm not sure. Or maybe you'd say, Pastor Greg, I know that I'm not right with God. I know I'm not ready to meet the Lord. Well, today you heard a good salvation message. And today you can respond and you can say, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. Change my life. I want to live for you. I want to be saved. When we do that, the Holy Spirit comes into us. And that's that well of water springing up into eternal life that's one group if, you, if you're in that group today when we pray ask the Lord to forgive your sins and make him the Lord of your life the second group might be this you might say I'm a Christian and I know the Holy Spirit is in me theologically he is in us but I also know that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit a fuller immersion of myself Think about water baptism. Fully immersion of myself into the Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit baptism for power, for witnessing and living and effectiveness. If that's you this morning, out of our belly, out of our innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And if that is you this morning, when we pray, let me encourage you, lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I am hungry. Here am I. Baptize me. In the Holy Spirit. Praise be to God. And the third thing. You say, Pastor Greg, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know that the Holy Spirit is in me. I know that I have been baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. And, and I live in His presence. And I thank God for that gift. But Pastor Greg, I just need strength. 
I just need a renewed blessing of the Holy Spirit this morning. I need a renewed feeling of the Holy Spirit, renewed power, renewed vitality. Let me tell you this morning, we don't have to live anemic in this world. We don't have to limp along all the time. We don't have to struggle and drag our feet and drag our head. We have the joy of the Holy Spirit down deep on the inside of us. And it can be a well springing up into eternal life. So all over this building this morning, we we invite the Holy Spirit to just come once again and touch us and help us and do as only He can this morning. So... Maybe you want to lift your hands to the Lord and begin to pray. Maybe you want to bow your head to the Lord and pray. Maybe you want to come to the altar this morning and receive from the Lord. The altar is open. But all over this building, would you respond to the proclamation of the Word and the moving of the Holy Spirit? And would you say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send your presence in me and upon me and renew me by your power. Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I need your power. I need your presence. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need someone who is beyond me to help me, to guide me. The presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Bless your people this morning. Have your way today, Lord, in this place.